welcome to the grad school soul collective on this podcast we share insights and lessons learned from industry professionals higher ed faculty and successful grad students we believe that experience can be our best teacher but it doesn't have to be our own experiences with that in mind we are sharing collective knowledge to support our black and brown graduate students so they can position themselves for success. I'm your host and chief community builder, Alyssa J. And I'm happy that you decided to join us. You didn't have to, but you did. And on today's show, we are gonna talk about pre preparing for the professoriate, being a professor in higher ed. And our guest today is Dr. Jesse Talley and we're excited to have her. Welcome, Dr. Tally, to the show. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. And we are excited to have you. And so um, just a little, a little bit about Dr. Tally, and, and um, I know I'm gonna miss some things, and so hopefully you can fill in some nuggets that I miss, but um, Dr. Tally is an assistant professor in the Department of Industrial and Systems Engineering at Morgan State University. Um, her research um, expertise includes stochastic and deterministic models of supply chains using cost analysis and interventions. Also simulation, stochastic programming, Markov chains, differential equations, linear programming, and quelling theory. And her current research um, consists of applications in humanitarian relief, emergency preparedness, and responses to address ports, healthcare, and food supply chain safety and defense. And let me tell you, all of those things, my goodness. Um, and to boot, she is also passionate about mentorship. She has a ton with that. Um, she's even started Sister Scholars. I think I want to say that the right way, Sister Scholars. Um, and um, she is also not just a professor, but she um, is really passionate about preparing others um, who are newer into the professoriate to prepare for their third year review. And that's actually why I asked her to come on the show um, because she's walked in our shoes before and she's preparing others to go down that path. And so um, Dr. Tally, if, if there's something that I missed, um, let, let me know. What did I miss? No, that was great. <laughs> that, that is me in a nutshell, really. <laughs> that was a great intro. <laughs> I appreciate, look, I appreciate you. Um, so I wanna, I wanna start off, um, we know that that you're a professor. You've got your PhD. Just, I mean, just coming through the gate. When you were in your program, um, did you all always kind of just set your sights and say, "Hey, I'm going to be a professor. Higher ed is where I want to go. I'm doing this. I know it." Like, how did you how did you know that this was something that you, that you know that you wanted to do? So I didn't know. <laughs> that this is what I wanted to do. So once I got into um, starting my graduate study, so at the master's level, it's so 
interesting how um, much you learn on the other side, right? From being an undergrad, you don't really know as much, but you see more because, you know, you're there longer, you're interacting with um, professors a lot more. So you kind of see the ins and out of the department. And so as I was kind of going through my studies and then working with undergraduate students and things of that nature, I kind of developed this passion for like, okay, I want to, I think I want to be a professor. I want to be here. But also on top of that, like my dad has his um, PhD. And so it was kind of like, you know, I want my kids to kind of go on that path too. But really it was the graduate experience that made me um, want to do this. And then just seeing what the students were going through in undergrad. I mean, I know what I went through too as well, but also being kind of that representation. So that's that's kind of what pushed me in that direction really heavy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you say, okay, my dad has, has PhD, do you feel like because it was your dad and, and you kind of had that model, was that was it more of an expectation for you or was it more of an option for you that you were willing to, to, to explore a little bit more? So it was, it was both. It was an expectation and it was an option. And even with being in STEM, um, my parents, they put me in a lot of programs when I was younger. And given his background, his PhD is actually in business, but his other degrees are in math and computer science. And so he was always surrounded by several different people with all types of backgrounds in STEM. So I met so many people through him that were doing different things. And I was able to go to conferences and things of that nature. My parents, they started um, this program called Joint Educational Facilities, which teaches advanced computer topics to um, K through 12, basically, and they do college too, as well. Oh, it's so dope. Come on now. (laughs) So I kind of was like groomed in that way because we had to do 10 page papers. We had to do presentations. We went to conferences just like, you know, adults, like people in college at high school age. So I was doing that. And so um, being surrounded by those different people, being able to go to college campuses earlier, meeting professors, all that kind of stuff that put me um, in the position to like, I mean, that was kind of like my background, but it was just like, it didn't really come full circle till I got in graduate school. So I had all of that kind of going for me initially (laughs) yeah I think that um first of all that's just such a well of um love and a well of social capital um and a well of of connecting to an environment that um as as a natural extension right from who who you were and so um that's really interesting to hear about that because you know we all have things that we're exposed to, people that we're exposed to. And, and um, definitely, definitely, definitely um, kind of setting the pathway. And so thinking about that, would you say that um, your personal and, and familial um, guidance that you had from your families was um, more so than maybe the, the mentorship that you received kind of as you were in those younger years, even before you got your PhD? Yeah, no, that definitely had a significant impact on 
you know, my college experience because I was ahead in some ways in certain areas um, than my peers. And so it helped me to kind of be able to do certain things a little bit better. I had certain skills, you know, that other students didn't have before I got there. And so what I didn't have that much of, because I was doing research before I got to, you know, college. But I think when I got to college and I eventually connected uh, with my um, my advisor, she kind of took me to another level in terms of doing research and, you know, doing different things from scratch and learning different things. And so that's kind of, it's just like I got more enhanced on top of what I already knew coming in. And so it was just like better. It was just like more knowledge. Mm-hmm. 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 And would you say, when you think about that great foundation that you have, right, coming into to undergrad, before coming into undergrad, right, um, when you think about the transition from undergrad to, you had mentioned like your master's, right, and then going to your PhD, what would you say kind of was the difference in mentorship or guidance that, um, um, that was really pivotal for you um, more at that PhD level, more so than what you got, um, you know, in your undergrad level, was it a continuation? Was it similar? Like, what was the difference? So it's my, so my whole school, um, journey has been very like interesting, but so good and rich. So when I was an undergrad, um, I had the opportunity to work with my advisor, who's an African-American female, and she was the only one in our department at the time before we got um, like an African-American female chair, which she eventually transitioned. So now she's still, even though I'm going now, she's still the only African-American female in the department. And so I was able to work with her my whole time in North Carolina A&T State University. So from undergrad to my PhD, she advised me the whole time. And I was like one of the second students that she had that, well, I should say I'm the only student who has been with her since she started at the university. Wow. So I had that kind of experience um, during my tenure. And so she saw my growth. And so I know sometimes, and I stayed at the same university for all my degrees. And I know sometimes people will say, well, no, you should have went somewhere else. But all my experiences were different. <laughs> all of them. I got something different at each level. So I started working with her as an undergrad. So that's when I got introduced to her research. And she started helping me to do more programming and different things that I didn't, my programming skills weren't that great, things of that nature. So she gave me little things to just kind of take on a project she was already working on, do data analysis. So I got better at doing that. Then we moved to the master's level. It's like, now nah, I have to put a whole model together. Yeah. I don't know how to do this. And she gave me something I didn't have a class for yeah. to do. And I'm like, I, don't have, I didn't have a class for this. How am I supposed to do this? I didn't think I could do it. Yeah. And I did it. Yeah. Then moving to the PhD level, I wanted to work on something a little bit different from what she was doing. But I end up still going in the direction of working with techniques that I didn't have a class for 
yeah. that I learned that I actually taught her how to use. <laughs> she was working with me. So she had like a new, you know, technique that she was learning. Um, and she was more hands off. So I was a little disappointed, but I understood or I understand more now <laughs> yeah. why it was necessary, but it was difficult for me to do that because I was used to her kind of not handholding me because I'm one of those type of people I'm gonna go off and try it myself but I wanted a little more guidance and she was like no this is the time where you have to develop your own research style and how you're going to do things not how I'm I can show you how to do it but it's not how you're supposed to do it Mm -hmm. and so she was giving me that space to do that and so that's kind of how my experience was wow wow right another mother right another absolutely yeah because they call me her mini me so (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it was it was definitely like that um for us wow that's amazing so um and it's so I've never heard of any anything like that and um wow that is amazing um so you you know, you went through, you've got these multiple degrees and you decide that you want to go into the professorate, right? And so um, if you could kind of transport yourself back, right, to, to Dr. Tally, um, Dr. Tally in the making, right? Dr. Tally loading. Oh, yeah. Um, if you could go back to folks that are in our position right now that are considering it. Um, What are some things that you think um, we should consider in our preparation? So first I would say congratulations (laughs) for even thinking about doing this because it's it's definitely a privilege to be able to um, engage and um, interact with the next generation of, is kind of how I like to say it. So whatever your discipline is, you're, you're doing the, you're working with the next generation of whoever that is to inspire them to go on and, you know, move into whatever they're supposed to be doing. So the first thing I would say is you need to think about what you want your trajectory to be. So one of the things, um, I noticed when I finished is that no one ever tells you why you're going through the process to think about what you want your end to be. Like, where do you want to end up? Because you're so focused on, I got to finish. I got to get these applications in. I got to get this right and done. I got to turn this in, all of that kind of stuff. That's all you're thinking about, but you're not thinking about, okay, once I get out of here, once I'm done, what am I doing? And most people, they may say, oh yeah, I want to go and I want to be a professor and everything, but then it's like, oh, but did I do all of the stuff I'm supposed to do? Or do I really want to do that? You know, like taking time to think through what is your trajectory. So that's the first thing I would say. Then I would say too that a lot of the people coming in to tenure track, tenure track positions now are defying the status quo. So the traditional, this is what you're supposed to do in terms of academia, because we're not playing. Like, we're like, we're not going to be sitting here stressed out. We know we got to do teaching, research, and service, things of that nature, but we're not going to kill ourselves. Just like we weren't trying to kill ourselves doing a PhD, we're not trying to kill ourselves to get tenure. So 
that means that you need to make sure that whatever you're doing in terms of coming in aligns with your values and your personal goals. And I'm like really like a stickler for that now because it's like, you, it, you know, you don't have time to waste and you don't want to, like I said, be stressed out and you don't want to be doing stuff that you really don't like doing. So you need to make sure that it aligns. And that's kind of going back to my first point of we're not doing a status quo. Like we're doing stuff we want to do almost like mapping out your own tenure process. And so that's possible. You don't have to do it like everybody else. And so I definitely am not. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do I like doing the most? What do I want to incorporate more of? And then I will also talk to people at different institutions Mm. that you think you might want to go to and see what's the lay of the land. Yeah. <laughs> How is it really, right? Because they'll be able to tell you and preferably an assistant professor because they're still new. Mm. So they're still trying to figure out everything, right? Then I would say, make sure to have an initial plan for your teaching and research. Um, and it may change once you get into your environment because you got to kind of fill it out. But at least you kind of know how you want to get started. So that's that's key. Um, and then I would say focus on your own lane. Can, can I back up to you just for a second? Yes, go ahead. So, so when you're talking about this idea of, of um, kind of tapping into the, the assistant pro- professors that are there, yes. um, just in your own experience, when I think about assistant professors, I, I, I would want a little bit more guidance as to how to approach them because they're in my mind, I would be thinking, oh my gosh, they just got there. And like, would they, could they tell, would they tell me, you know, like what, what are kind of some ways that, um, or ways to even approach, um, assistant professors that, that you think, um, you know, might, might open the door for entree into those kind of conversations. So the easiest way is at a conference, Ah, right? Because it's, people are going to be there in your discipline, especially if it's your, you know, professional one. So everybody's there in your discipline. People are looking for people, right? So they may say, they may um, have like a, a space for people to be able to say, hey, we're hiring. We're talking to people doing like some initial interviews, which is what happened at a lot of the conferences I went to. So even before you get the on-campus interview, they have some people who will, and sometimes they're a little bit older than not always assistant professors there, but the assistant professors are at the conference. So you can at least go and say, oh, I saw that you have an opening, you know, at your um, institution and just kind of start asking them questions about the department Mm -hmm. and you know different things of that nature and that's that's the easiest way yes um the other thing is you can try to just reach out through email you may not always be successful but if they have a um a position open that's kind of the best it's kind of better to relate it back to that because then it's like oh yeah we do have this position opening like you know and they can tell you a little more information to possibly help you or you can talk about what you're interested in and they may just say like apply like we need people like that you know what I'm saying so and we're the we're the first line of people that know people who are still in the process so when 
your department is saying, oh, I'm going to put out two ads, they're going to be like, can you reach out to your people? So they're kind of your first line of defense anyway. And it's like, oh, yeah, I know this person. And so then you have an advocate in the room for you. Right. So it's all a setup in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I would say. I really appreciate I really appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I really appreciate that. And, And I'm sorry you were I interrupted you. Tell me keep going. (laughs) The last one was just focus on your own lane because all institutions and all departments are not created equal Mm. and you have to learn the environment. So everywhere is not the same. We have to do the same things, right, for tenure, but everywhere is not the same. For example, could you give me like an, an example? Like, so I can even just like the institution I'm at now versus where I went to school Mm. it's just the the culture right of the the university is different so the way that they do things at A&T is not necessarily the way they do things at Morgan the students at A&T are not necessarily the same type of student that's at Morgan so the way that I would teach there or I would do certain things it won't it may not work because the environment is different and so that's even the way like your um, your department interacts with each other. It may be different from, you know, university to university or department to department. And you have to learn that culture when you get there. So it's not going to be the same as when you went to school. Yeah. So it's like you have to kind of relearn again and make sure, you know, that you can do well there. So that's yeah. kind of what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. It's something to, to chew on a little bit more. Um, and it takes a little bit of, you know, being a, an ethnographer, you know, like, let me, ch- let me check. Let me, let me read. Let me, yeah. It's like I have to be in the space, which is why when you get to do those on-campus interviews, it's so, it's good because you get to feel the place right like I'm actually here now like I can feel everything I can see everything to see do I really want to be here do I really want to do this or do I need to go somewhere else got it got it got it got it um and so super helpful super practical super helpful so kind of rounding the bend a little bit um in thinking about um being a black woman in the space, right? Is there anything that you can kind of think of that um, might be different for a, you know, an African-American or black um, indigenous individual um, who's thinking about going to the professoriate um, that might be a little bit different than maybe their white peers? So, definitely make sure that you have teaching experience that's my first thing so I know through my program we actually had to do it a part of the program like teach a whole course and we were um, evaluated and everything so so it's kind of like we get TA um, teaching assistantships and everything you're grading but I would ask them like can I teach a class so you can actually see how and feel how that is with the students and different things of that nature. Because going into it after the fact sometimes can be a little overwhelming if it's your first time coming in 
which makes it, you know, super stressful. So I would definitely say that. So that helped a lot. I didn't teach a lot. I only taught that one time, but the fact that I at least did it one time helped um, coming into my position. And then I was unique in a sense because I actually came in as a lecturer. So I had time (laughs) to teach without really doing a whole lot of research to get Ah. used to the university, right? And eventually was um, transitioned over into a tenure track. So my situation is a little unique in a sense. I wasn't like other people that just came straight in and I had to do everything. So it's been a little bit better in terms of the transition. So that could happen sometimes. So even the way that you get into a tenure track position could be different. So you just have to be open um, to that. Yeah, and I don't think we, we, talk, we talk enough about, you're the second person in the last three months that's talked to me about being a lecturer. And I hadn't even heard of that term, right? I, I, I had always known instructor, you know, professor, um, but I didn't know, you know, the, the lecturer. Um, and so if, for folks that don't know about that, can you just give them a little bit of a, a, a nugget about that? Yes. So a lecturer position, you are salary just like a tenure track person. So it's not like an adjunct where you're just paid by class. You actually get a salary and um, you you're really mostly responsible for teaching courses. So you may have a a large teaching load. Mm -hmm. You can do research if you want to, but you're not required to. Or if you have like, um, I participate in a couple of senior design projects as an advisor. So you're full-time, you're just not tenure track. Got it. So it was a good way to just build up that teaching experience. Mm -hmm. And I bet even even more so kind of learning the campus, learning the, the expectations, learning um, the, the student bodies themselves, you know, and and then going into that tenure track, you know, when you've got that clock ticking on you, like, you know, you gotta right. do this. Um, right. It, it kind of gives you, yeah, wow. Yeah, they don't tell you about this. And yeah. they don't, I'm a fifth year doctor. Docs, for those who don't know, I'm in my fifth year. I'm in my work in my dissertation. Um, nobody's talking to me about this. And so yeah, I know it's, I mean, and some stuff you just learn as you go along. And it's just like, for me, it's kind of like, I'm just documenting what yeah. I'm doing or sharing what I'm learning as I go along. Cause I'm like, it's still people who don't know that this Absolutely. is like possible or you can do this. Come on, come on, <laughs> come on. Well, I really am appreciative for you being here. And for those that want to connect with you or learn more about um, what you do, how can they reach you? So I have a couple of places. So if you're on Twitter, I have the Ask Sister Scholar. So that's for PhD students like support. We put up stuff um, here and there. So that's on IG and um, Twitter is sisters, S-I-S-T-E-R-S scholars with the s and then on um twitter like my personal kind of where i talk about teaching stuff and mentorship and everything is at dr jesse tally and linkedin is dr jesse tally as well 
And then my email that I use is jesse at engineerculture.com. So engineer is spelled E-N-G-I-N-A-I-R-E. Awesome. We love that. And I will be sure to plug those in our show notes. Um, and um, yeah, I really love it. And so I, again, want to just tell you, thank you so much for, for being with us today. And for everybody out there listening, um, please know that we can do amazing things individually, but we are so much better together. And, um, you know, I'm grateful. And so um, everybody listening until next time. And um, Dr. Tally, man. Thank you <laughs> for letting me share. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Have a wonderful night, everybody.